I'm Shivani Gupta and welcome to the Ask Shivani podcast. I believe that one of the best presents that you can give yourself is time to be able to sit down and ask yourself some questions. I believe that the quality of the questions that you ask yourself will determine the quality of your life. Good morning, everybody. Uh, this is the Ash Shivani podcast. I am so excited to have Jeffrey Klubeck. He has been recommended to me by many people to be on this podcast, and we're pretty excited to have him as a guest today. Let me tell you a little bit about it, and then we'll dive deep into the questions that we've got and to gain some wisdom for Jeffrey. He's an upbeat and charismatic coach and consultant, and he focuses on how to make businesses and entrepreneurs thrive while not losing a sense of what makes a company outstanding and that is leadership. Absolutely key for the audience that we've got here. Jeffrey is also a successful author. He's worked with small, medium, and large-sized businesses. Jeffrey, welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, look, that's uh, it's so great. And so we want to know a little bit about you, a little bit about your context. These are all the things you've achieved, but tell us a bit about challenges you face. Tell us a bit about adversity you've had. Give us a little bit of an insight into the journey that you've had. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, just growing up, <laughs> I, I, I mean, to, to start off with the joke, although my children are doing a really good job, it's hard to raise your parents. And, um, you know, a challenge that I've been through recently is I lost my parents three weeks apart in September 2020. Um, it, it, and they were, they, God, what a beautiful story. They were in love. They were, 54 years together, they couldn't imagine a life without each other. So that romantic part where they, you know, they were, they're together, right? It's really cool. And that's like the greatest thing. Like, so, you know, they, that, but that's all they had. They didn't have the ambition that I had. They didn't have the drive. They didn't have the motivation. They, they just, you know, I don't say this as a judgment, but it's something that I had to overcome. Right. I remember um, almost, well, first of all, before I almost dropped out of college, I remember when I was going in college to use my meal card in the dormitory, and I swiped my card and it didn't work. And they told me I'm standing there and there's the line and all of my peers and I'm 18 years old. And the person says to me, oh, your card doesn't work. The, the paint, you didn't make the payment. And somebody like, well, I'll pay for you. And just, I'll never forget that feeling, that, that, that feeling. And, um, you know, and it's tough because, you know, as a youngster, you want to be like, what's going on? Why didn't you pay and everything? And I was, for some reason I had to, you know, overcome that and be compassionate and and just constantly just work to be a person my parents can be proud of right rather than anything else but you know so I my brother he's got the biggest heart in the world but he's not that ambitious either right so I'm the only one to go to college I'm the only one you know to do certain things and um so I'm still you know overcoming that challenge every day trying to make mom and dad like really super proud um and then you know the the, the next year <laughs> after I figured out how to eat um, there was no money for tuition. And I remember I had a job on campus. Uh, I was doing video production on campus. I was an audio video technician, which was a really cool position, by the way, because I got to see all these other classes. I was doing video for psychology and information decision systems and bargaining and negotiations. They were coming to this studio and getting live shots done, or I was wheeling the cart across campus to shoot courses or participating in the editing of programs for what was going to be the future and the information age. So that really cool job. But I remember that there was no money for tuition. I didn't have the money. My parents didn't have the money for school tuition. I remember telling my boss, Hey, you want to start looking for a replacement for me because I can't afford to register for school. I'm going to go home and deliver pizzas. 
And uh, give me a, be patient with me as I tell this. It's hard to tell this story without choking up. But the next day, my boss took me to lunch like he normally does. But instead of going this way, we went the other way, went by his boss's office. And they both took me to lunch. They sat down and they, I'll never forget, Jeff, what will it take to register? Do you know that you can still work for us if you're part-time? What's the fee for part-time instead of full-time? If we lent you the money to stay part-time to keep working for us, would you do it? If you drop out, you may never get back in. Plus, we believe in you. We want to keep you. We see a future for you. And I, you know that that was that chokes me up, right? Because I was, you know, 19 years old, and I had to go home and call mom and hear her voice. And she was so sad that she didn't have the money for me. And I remember telling her as a 19 year old, I said, "Don't be sad that you can't do it. Be proud that you raised somebody that other people want to invest in. Like, there's people that want to invest in me, and I want to say yes. I want to do this. Do I do I have your blessing?" Very heavy thing, and it still chokes me up today. So I want to make mom and anybody that's invested in me ever, like really proud. That is beautiful, Jeffrey. I love the fact that you said to your mom, you raise somebody that wants to, that somebody else wants to invest. And that is just, that is beautiful, beautifully put. And so when you've had all these, you know, challenges coming your way, um, different people deal with it differently. Some people put their head in the sand and they don't come out. Some people have a process, some people journal. What is your process like when you come across these challenges, not only in university, but now running your own business and being a parent? Tell us more about how do you go about dealing with challenges? Because I'm always interested in that process of what people use (laughs) everywhere. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm interested in that process. And I I consider it like an evolution. I I know that the question comes out, how do you do it as if there's one way? But I, I think there's, I think we have to, (laughs) <laughs> we have to look all at all 360 of the degrees to find solutions to challenges. And, and I can, I'll just share a couple that come to mind. Um, number one, um, well, there's four things that come to mind. One is like the, the look, look for the bottom of the pool. Like remember swimming as a kid, it was so fun to swim down to the bottom of the pool. Like the cool thing about it was is how fast you could get back up to the top when you have the bottom to push off of. You know, like if, if somebody's sitting in the middle, you know, at 10 feet of a 20 foot pool and they try to get to the top, they're going to have to generate all their energy and flail. And if I'm at the bottom, I, I just push off the bottom and choo, there I go. So when I'm challenged, the very first thing that I do is where's bottom? Where's rock bottom? What's the worst case scenario? What, 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 is, what is the thing that I can't go any further than that? And that I just kind of tell myself that if I get there, that's what I'll push off of, Right. But I also, you know, have to understand that um, we have to like a, a concept that I call feed the kids equally. Um, if, if, you know, if you had three children and three sandwiches, I'm sure you would give one sandwich. You wouldn't give all three sandwiches to one kid, would you? No, you definitely not. OK, so the names of the children are <laughs> Worst case scenario, which is this bottom of the pool I was talking about, we definitely need to think about that, consider that, imagine that, embrace that as a reality, play chess with that, a couple moves ahead if that's the case, right? But if we give all of our thought to that, then that's all we're going to get for sure. So there's two other sandwiches, two other kids, and one is best case scenario, right? What's the best thing that can happen here? Is this really a challenge or is this an opportunity? And what's the best thing that could possibly come of this? 
Yeah, as difficult as it may seem, uh, a fool, um, um, deceiving as the packaging may be, what's really going on here? And so I try that best case scenario on for size and see if that digests. And then, of course, we got to feed most likely. What's most likely to happen here? What's the, what, are, what, are the chance, what are the probabilities? And so if I've considered all three of those, it's not so much a challenge anymore as, as much as it's, I've just turned it into a game for myself. So that helps, right? And um, look for helpers. You know, we had a famous, I know I'm going into Australia right now, but we had a famous um, TV show, you know, uh, Mr. Robinson, right? Uh, or Mr. Rogers, I'm sorry, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Mr. Robinson was the takeoff that Eddie, um, Eddie Murphy did on Saturday Night Live. But anyway, Mr. Rogers, right? He, you know, all, you know take children's television. And he used to say, look for helpers, look for helpers, right? So it's important to realize that any challenge that comes my way, it's not just my challenge. You know, I'm never alone. Like there's always people that are ready to help, willing to help, right? All of my successes I share with others and I can share the challenges too. Let's be mutual about the whole thing. Um, a lot of people take things on themselves and you know, they're so autobiographical about it. But we have to understand there's community. There's people that are ready to help, prepared to help, willing to help. And we got to look for them and they'll be there. And so we're never alone. Um, it, uh, 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 another thing that comes to mind is just very simply the book Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I love that book. Yeah. So we, you know, I remind myself that this is only a challenge because I said it was. And now I really, what I could really do is call this whatever I want it to be, opportunity or otherwise, right? As I've mentioned. So when I think about that, I'm really not, I've, I don't think I've ever been as challenged as Victor Frankl was. I don't think, I, I don't ever expect to be as challenged as Victor Frankl was. And his book wasn't about the horrors of the Holocaust. It was about the fact that not even the Holocaust can take away our ability to decide what things mean. It's always up to me to decide what something means. And, and so I always got to hang on to that. And then Finally, you know, just to you know, shamelessly, as I'll do from time to time, you know, pre-plug my book, um, The Integrity Game, but retrofit myself. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, a building has structural integrity if it keeps standing despite the outside forces. If it keeps doing what it's supposed to do, keeps doing what it's made to do, keeps doing what it's built to do despite pressure tests, outside forces, other people's agendas, or any form of challenge. So the more retrofit I am, the more clear I am about what my purpose is, what my gifts are, what my vision, mission objectives are, my quarterly goals, the strategies that are aligned with my instinct, my, my relationship to my word, what I've committed to, the actions I'm taking, what I'm proactively learning, accomplishing, and who I'm serving. If I have answers to all 10 of those question sets, then challenges are going to blow off me like a, you know, like a, like a, a 10 mile an hour wind you know, a wood, a building, you know, challenges are going to bounce off me. Like, you know, really, really, you know, I don't know, bouncy ball. Like, if, you know what I mean? The more retrofit I am, yeah, yeah. it either, it, it, anything either integrates with what I'm doing or it bounces off. It goes. Yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a mouthful, but no, how's that's that to deal great. With challenges? And that's great. I can almost like when you were speaking, I could like visualize it, right? When you're at the bottom of the pool, I can visualize it. I can see that. And retrofitting, I can see this thing bouncing off. So that was a very visual exercise for me. Thank you. Yeah, so, thank you. Yeah, and so, Jeffrey, where you, where you sit today and all the things that you might have for the future that you want to do or not do and achieve and not achieve, tell us a bit about your future aspirations. Where do you see you, the business, like going in the, in the future? What are the things that you aspire to? 
Yeah, thank you. Um, well, here's the thing: this this book that I'm holding in my hands for those of that that can see video, the Integrity Game. It it is a parable that introduces the ten point model that I just summarized. There's ten. I think integrity. People, most people think integrity is being doing what you say you're going to do or doing the right thing when regardless of who's watching or do the same thing when nobody's watching when somebody's watching, right? And in my book, I say, okay, we like those answers for a couple of reasons, but here's what's wrong with that, or here's where it falls short. So let's expand our understanding of integrity. And and I, I enter the notion of integration, integrate, right? When we do what we say we're going to do, we're integrating word with behavior. And when we do the same thing, regardless of who's watching, we're integrating behavior with values, morals, or ethics. So in both cases, there's a coming together of one thing with another. And in both cases, behavior is the evidence of our integrity. Not I would, I was gonna, meant to, I, I didn't mean to, I was sort of, I was just trying to, none of that. Behavior is the evidence of our integrity in both cases, and there's an integration in both cases. So I like those two answers. I've done this all around the world. When I ask people, what is integrity? How many of you believe you have integrity? Everybody raises their hand. Now, hang on, keep your hand up and repeat after me. I swear not to shoot the messenger after, right? And then hang on before I insult you and suggest you have no integrity. What is it? And people always give me those two answers. But the thing is, when I want to point out people, and this is where I have the aspirations, this concept that I'm talking to you about right now, I've written the book. I'm in the middle of finishing the first group coaching program. Uh, I see future. I want to write a textbook version of this. I'm on my way back to San Diego State University. I just got the email today from the scheduler that's inviting me to teach a class and get back on campus in spring of 23. Like this is all happening right now. So I've, I've, I've written the book around the 10 point model, but back to what I was saying, those two answers fall short of describing integrity. What's good about them is that we get to see integration, but what's embarrassing is that nobody will use the word integration in their answer. If I ask what is integrity, they say either be your word or do the right thing. Nobody says integrate, bring two or more things together. They start with the same six letters, I-N-T-E-G, right? It's right in front, integration. So integrity is a coming together of at least two things, two or more things. So and evidence is behavior. Behavior is evidence. So we like that. Okay, but here's where they fall short. What if I said that I was going to drink 18 Foster's Lagers before the podcast interview? And then I drink 18 Foster's Lagers before our interview today. I will have done what I said what I was going to do, but would I be able to claim integrity? And you know the answer is no. Okay. Do you follow? If I said I was going to get into my car and go hit the first pedestrian I saw, and then yeah. I did that, you follow? So be, word and behavior isn't enough. Yeah. That's the, all right, pin that on the board. Okay. Now over here on the other side, do you believe time is money? Sure. Do you believe patience is a virtue? Yeah. Well, do you believe that if you never quit, you'll never lose? Well, yeah, never give up. Sure. Well, do you believe you better know when to cut your losses? Oh, so what's right or wrong or good or bad, it changes from context. There's conflicting success principles. Sometimes this is the right way to go. And sometimes that's the right way to go. And by the way, who decides what's right and wrong? Who's the opinion leader, the thought leader? I'm living in a country where we got red and blue, two wings of the same bird, and they both believe in two different realities. So how would we ever account for that version of integrity? And by the way, most people are just using integrity as something they accuse somebody else of not having. Mm, mm. 
So what's my future aspirations? I want to actualize the integrity game. What I'm here to say is there's more things than just those two that we need to integrate. I have a 10 point model of if we have, and, and it turns out to be questions, 10 question sets. And if we have answers to those questions, now we'll, we're, we'll retrofit ourselves. So we can retrofit ourselves, our teams, our products, our services, our businesses. If we run them through these question sets and we have answers to 10 sets of questions around any noun or any object you want to retrofit, right? So that's what the integrity game is. Now the book, it has a parable. It's a made up story. I wrote it when my when I was coping with my parents' loss while I was grieving mom and dad. This was during COVID. This was therapeutic for me to work on the book. There's characters in here that are um, named after and have qualities of my children. So there's some memoir in here. There's some therapy in here. And then there's a, a professional Trojan horse. You know, I'm using a story, a made up, easy to read story to get to Trojan horse this 10 point model into the world. So future aspirations, I want this uh, being practiced as a comprehensive soft skills system in conscious organizations. And I also want there to be a textbook version of this. And I wanna incubate the concept further in the university environment with students, then to get the research and the projects and the presentations and the assignments and really just generate and, and actualize, optimize. There's um, someone that, that, that we're all familiar with, I believe, Simon Sinek, who says, start with why. And if you look at his bio and his media kit, it says, Simon popularized, start with why. Right now, knowing your purpose has been around a long time. But Simon, he did the TEDx and he wrote the book and he, he popularized it. He took it to another level. I want to do that with integrity. I want to make it easy and fun to look within. I want to encourage the world to play the integrity game and retrofit themselves. I want people to use the integrity game to problem solve. I want people to use the integrity game to make tough decisions. I want people to use the integrity game to have structural integrity in their lives, careers, and businesses. So, so I'm going to keep doing this in, in organizations. I just got done earlier today giving a presentation to a, 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 a physical therapy office, a collection of physical therapists, and having them, they want to grow to five offices, right? Two to five offices. So they got to retrofit and grow. And then, so businesses and academic, you know, I want to, you know, actualize the integrity game in the business and the academic environments. That is fabulous. Now, the next question, Jeffrey, it, like, literally we could speak about it for four hours, right? <laughs> what are your philosophies? But there's a couple of other deeper questions I want to get into. Are there yeah. a couple of philosophies that you live by? And, you know, when you're talking about the integrity game, I'm kind of assuming that integrity might be one of them, right? You do what you say you're going to do and you retrofit and you do the bits that you need to do for your clients and your family. But tell us about a couple of other philosophies that you live by that are really important for you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, work hard, play hard. Right. I mean, okay. one's, yeah, integrate the two. One's not worth it without the other. Right. It, it's in a, it, it, we got to see the rewards and we got to earn the rewards and just work hard, play hard. I mean, I don't know if I need to elaborate on that. Right. Uh, although you talk about, if I referring to a book, I love what I learned from uh, M. Scott Peck in The Road Less Traveled. And um, that discipline is the, the ability to delay gratification right? Delay gratification. Work hard, play hard isn't just a saying to excuse you to make it okay to play hard. Work hard, play hard is, is you know, the work hard part comes first for a reason, right? Is I want to earn my celebrations. I, I don't want to celebrate before I work, 
because it might not work as hard, might not work as much. So, that, you know, it's, it's about delaying gratification, but making sure that we smell roses and that we celebrate our accomplishments and recharge and refuel and, and have a balance around that. Um, another one, <laughs> you could probably tell from my behavioral style, I, I'm, I'm jovial, joviality and levity. And, you know, uh, one of my mentors, Brian Tracy, taught me that weeds grow on their own. You, you know, weeds need no help from us. You know, but if we want the good stuff to grow, we need nutrients and the right water and talk to your plants and sunlight. And we have to, so, so what I mean by that is uh, humor. I love pointing out all the humor I see in things. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't always land. You know, sometimes people aren't always laughing with me, but being who I am, I'm a jovial kind of kid. I, I just see the humor in everything and I'll let it fly. A lot of people are, I admire that they keep their jokes to themselves, but I don't do as well at that. I, I I'm, I'm a jokester. Um, and then, you know, I, I think I've been gifted with some wordsmithing, you know, so I enjoy phraseology around platitudes. Um, so there's, I've, I have a thing called, my last name is Klubeck. So I, I, my wife's homemade cookies or Kluby snacks, I called them. And then as I've grown in my career and I see people writing down things that I say, hey, can you write, hey, can you say that again? Ooh, that was good. And I started like branding quotes that I would come up with, like, you know, how you're saying what you're saying is in fact what you're really saying. So that's beware of your nonverbal communication, mind your nonverbal, right? Um, uh, every job is an inside job. Right. Look within, look, you know, all everything that goes with that. Right. Um, so it's like self-responsibility, you know, holding yourself accountable. One of my favorites is when when there are two alphas in the room, the smarter alpha will usually defer to the dumber alpha. And I just think that's I'm making myself <laughs> laugh. Thank you for laughing with me. But it's like, hey, you go ahead and trip all over yourself. You go ahead and fall on your face. Like the yeah. energy it would take to beat you right now is going to take me further away from what my goal is. So you go ahead and have it, young man, or whoever you are, right? Anyway, you understand? So that's the wisdom thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and pick uh, your battles wisely. And so the, what, what I'm really uh, enjoying, right, is that I feel like I'm like connected to source on a lot of these universal truths. And then I'm gifted with a wordsmithy phraseology, like a, a musical rhythmic uh, vocabulary to, to, like you said before, help people visualize, help people feel what I'm supposed to be messaging. Yeah, beautiful. I, I can keep going. I can keep going. I love, oh no, like as I said, this is a big question. Like we could spend hours just talking about that. Now, one of the things you spoke about is, um, and you help leaders and you, and you work with entrepreneurs, um, and so what do you do for your own wellness? Like, how do you keep your cup full so that you've got the energy to be able to do the work and the presentations and, um, you know, go and speak at um, the colleges, et cetera. So what do you do for your wellness? Share that yeah. with us. Yeah. First of all, I don't always keep the cup full. I'm a human being. And sometimes I burn it at both ends. And right. So is, 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 there's, there's a good friend of mine who once said balance is BS. Right. Like, and, and I think it's important to understand balance is good. If we can get there, balance is power. If we can get there uh, on and on, but we have to recognize that we're human beings. And then the other thing too, is we want to be great at anything. There's going to be some sacrifices. So don't expect to be great at any, by definition, great is out of balance. Great is heavier than average. 
So by definition, so if you want to be great, you have to accept the times where you're out of balance, but it's important your question's critical because we do need to have places that we can go rather quickly when we recognize the burnout or the fatigue or the that need to recharge. So one thing I do kind of regularly, especially since COVID started, is play golf. I get out and I play golf. I know that I'm out of the house, no dogs barking, no phone ringing, no nothing for four hours. I breathe in, I breathe out, there's movement. I can feed two birds with one grain if I go with a client of mine or make it a networking thing. And I'm no good at it. You understand? I'm no good at it. But in the past, I used to let the fact that I wasn't good prevent me from going out. I used to be worried what I looked like or what if I'm not good enough? What if I can't keep up? What if I'm embarrassing? And like, you want to know what? All of that's better than staying at home during COVID. <laughs> anyway, I digress. So now I'm into it. I'm hooked. Um, I keep a gratitude journal. I think it's important to regularly ask myself, what am I grateful for? Let the answers flow and put pen to paper. So I, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in gratitude a lot of time. Um, physically, I, I, I think I've, I've, I've I got really great insights uh, into the sleep cycle, mastering the, the math of sleep, like sleep cycles, 90 minutes. So if I'm going to take a nap, I can't say I'll take an hour nap because then I'd be waking up in the middle of REM. So I don't want to wake up during rapid eye movement because I'll feel twice as tired as I did before, right? So I either want to nap for 20 minutes or less or a full 90. Moreover, if I'm working, you know, getting something done and I'm working till one o'clock in the morning, it's like, oh, if I got to be up at six and it's one, that's five hours. I know I'll work for another 15 minutes and then go to bed in 15 minutes. So I have four and a half. So I'm doing the math of hour and a half, three hours, four and a half, six, seven and a half, nine rather than eight hours of sleep or an hour nap, which would have me waking up in funky times. We could be very alert and productive and snap into action with some clarity on a 90 minute nap, more so than we could like a, a, a three hour and 45 minute nap. Yeah. Got it. Do you understand? So, so understanding yeah. that, so very calculated about my naps in my sleep. And I think that helps a lot. And then finally, as you saw, <laughs> as you saw earlier in the session, it's so great. Like I didn't expect this, but proof in the pudding, right? I allow myself to feel. I allow myself to cry. It's kind of like yeah. golf. I was I used to be afraid of what people would think, and I don't care anymore. I feel this. I'm gonna cry. I just I I, I you know it's fun. The fun part of it is when I'm watching a movie with the kids and the family, and the kids, right? They're you know. We got a 10 and a 15 and a 17. So maybe a couple of years ago when they're like seven, 12 and 14, you know, before they're driving and they're home with us before they're off doing whatever. Anyway, and the emotion, they know there's an emotional scene happening in the movie. And I'm like, and I feel all of their heads look to me to see if I'm crying yet. <laughs> so, so those are some things, you know, those are some, the things that keep me, well, and by the way, who knows if I'm mentally well? I don't even know if I'm mentally well. I just know that those are the things that I do, right? Because I'll admit that I'm crazy if the definition's big enough and appropriate. Like, who who knows? Yeah, no, that's that's great. And, you know, the, the people that are into the rituals and do things like around their mental wellness, like gratitude journals, like sleep, you know, there's some of the key things around that. Um, yeah. Jeffrey, yeah, I... Uh, we could keep talking forever, but there are some people listening today that will go, this kind of sounds fascinating. I want to get these, you know, these, what did you call them? Clooby snacks. Clooby snacks. Oh, you know, yeah. I want to get some snacks. I want to check out the integrity game. Tell us what are, what's the best way to find you? What what are the platforms you're on? What's the best way for people to connect with you? Well, it's so funny when you say, Jeff, what's your favorite ice cream? I'll say whichever one I'm eating. 
So the best way, the best way for people to find me is the way that's most convenient for them. So can I offer a couple of suggestions? Um, number one, you just send an email to Jeff at getaclue.net, G-E-T-A-K-L-U, like my last name, .net. Jeff at getaclue.net, send that to me. Um, I'm evolving, but I still check my own email. And uh, I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. So my LinkedIn profile, I can, if I can, can I give a shout out to a friend of mine, Brian Trachel, Tra- who is a master LinkedIn trainer. So he trains organizations and dials in. And I, he, I, he loves me. He still does mine himself. You know what I mean? So LinkedIn profile, if you want to optimize your LinkedIn profile, be found and get the right things going. And whoever has the most words wins and on and on and on. So LinkedIn, I love for people to check out my link, check out my LinkedIn profile because it was in good hands with my good friend, Brian Trachel. Um, I mentioned the integrity game and people can get the integrity game on Amazon right now. It's only $9 and 80 cents. Um, if people email me, I'd be happy to, you know, if they mention your show, and they email me, I'll be happy to email them for free a PDF version of the integrity game. So you, you like, before shipping, that's a $9.80 value. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. Um, and uh, if people want to check me out on live every Tuesday night, I read one tip from a book of my in my Get a Clue in 52 series. So I write these books called Get a Clue in 52, where I come up with 52 tips. So I have a reason to be online once a week. And uh, so on Facebook, if people like Facebook, um, you can type, get a clue in 52, find that group, join the group. And then you might be able to interact with me live for free once a week. And we'll have a lot of fun. That's awesome. And we're also going to put that, some of those details at the bottom of the podcast. So you'll be able to find me. I'm going to keep talking to you in a minute. Um, Jeffrey, thank you. Delightful to have you on today. Oh, thank you. I had a blast. I'm Shivani Gupta, and you've been listening to the Ask Shivani podcast, where I got to ask some questions. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow Ask Shivani on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And if you haven't done so, please go to the Apple podcast and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It would mean a lot. Thank you.